Welcome to Hitting the Media, a political podcast that aims to be nonpartisan. And just like your stereotypical taxi driver, don't expect us to stay on one side of the road because we're hitting the media. So on this podcast that I have procrastinated in doing, not really procrastinated, I've had a lot of stuff come up unexpectedly. I should have delegated to Phil, but I didn't. So here is our interview with Ricardo Estrada, who is a master math teacher in New York City. So I really hope you enjoy it. And here we go. So we are here with Ricardo, a math teacher in New York City, and we advertised this in the last episode. So, uh, Ricardo, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what your qualifications are, and your achievements as a teacher are. Yeah, so uh, I've been teaching for about 10 years. I'm current uh, various subjects in math from um, Algebra 1 all the way to AP Calculus AB. Lately, I've been teaching mostly AP Calc and Geometry, uh, and I enjoy doing what I do. You're in the Math Teaching Fellows, right? Uh, yes. So, um, it's, a, it's a fellowship um, with Math for America, and essentially it, it entails a lot of awesome things for math teachers, such as funding for conferences, um, a stipend, and being a participant as well as a facilitator of professional development. Okay, how does one get into the math fellows? Um, that's a pretty rich, pretty rigorous process. Um, you essentially have to demonstrate that you really, really know your stuff in math, um, and then there's a test you can take to do that. But then you also have to show that you can really teach um, and there's a way of doing that. Uh, I haven't, I did that, I went through that process four years ago, so I don't remember exactly how I did it. And then the renewal process is a little different. And I did just get renewed, so yay, very happy about that. Um, so I'm on board with that for the next four years. And then you also have to show that you want to grow as a teacher. So there's an application process, um, mathforamerica.org. You can um, always find out about the application process there. Like we said last episode, Ricardo is a very qualified individual, and it's not just he's because he's Phil and my friend, it's because he's actually a qualified individual and a good math teacher. So yeah, I think he's also a master teacher for the Department of Education. That's also true. I am also a master teacher at my campus. Um, I really feel like you guys are really touting me here. Um, We're gonna make you do math problems, <laughs> and you know it's, it's it's still going. And and you know I I'm always I always like to tell people, uh, you know it's it's a nice title, the title of master teacher, but um, I never quite felt like I uh, owned up to it. Um, you know sometimes you go to these conferences and you meet other master teachers. And you know you're one, you're you're hoping, geez, like, I hope they don't find out about these other master teachers because then everybody else will know that I'm a fraud. So um, that's one of my biggest fears. You prefer when they call you master teacher or just rabbi? <laughs> uh, I just like Mr. Estrada. Mr. Estrada is just fine. Okay, so Ricardo, we talked last week about gun control versus gun rights, and we tried to per se. Uh, 
we tried to portray both sides very accurately, and I think we did a pretty good job of it, considering that I sort of went a little more to the right in my view on gun rights. Um, but uh, I wanted to ask you a few questions. So my first question is, there's a proposal going around about teachers having guns and whether teachers should have guns to prevent school shootings and gun-free zones and such things. And what is your opinion now, on that? Just to <laughs> remind our listeners, it's in the wake of the Parkland, Florida shooting. Yeah. And there was also a shooting in Maryland where I believe a shooter, an active shooter was shot by a school security officer, maybe? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he didn't kill either of the students. Before he even got to shooting a third stu student, the armed guard came in and shot him and killed him. Mm. Uh, well, a couple of thoughts come to my mind. I think, first of all, not all teachers, uh, like how would this even work pragmatically? Because not all teachers are, I would say, emotionally stable enough to, to walk around with a gun. I mean, you know, do we really want to do that? I, that's, let's not think um, that just because someone is a teacher, uh, they are emotionally stable or that they even know how to use a gun. So, you know, I, when I hear this type of news, I want to pick at, like, how is this actually going to look practically? And, and then, you know, just looking at it, so that, that's a good question to ask, right? Like, are, like are all teachers emotionally stable enough? Um, and, and quite frankly, the answer to that is no. Um, you know, teachers are human beings, just like, like everyone else. They, they go through stuff. Um, you know, they, they have shrinks that they see also. They have, you know, demons as, just as much as anybody else. So, um, you know, I think that that's something we have to look at. Uh, and, you know, I'm not sure that that's something that people have given thought to. Well, Phil's a substitute teacher, and I don't know if I'd want to give a substitute <laughs> teacher a gun. Yeah, you definitely don't want to give it to your subs, that's for sure. The sub, the, the amount of abuse that a sub takes, it'll yeah. become an active shooter more likely than, well, I don't know. Yeah, let you, let you I mean, stop. this guy's let already become an active there. shooter, so we're good. Right. But, um, no, no, in your schools, like in the school that I work at now, there's definitely a metal detector, so they take things, yeah. you know, they, yeah. they catch different things, knives. I don't know. They don't tell me what they catch. I'm sure throughout New York City, a lot of times they'll catch firearms. But um, <coughs> what other measures have you seen? Have you seen uh, police, no school safety officers with guns, or you have seen that? Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a school safety officer with a gun. And and I, and I, and I now that you brought that up, I don't think I want to see one with yeah. a gun also. With the amount of abuse they take. <laughs> what, me what security measures have you seen? Just the... So, metal detectors. Yeah. Um, that's a popular one. Even though you don't have them in every school. That's, you know, that's something that you have to look at also. You don't have metal detectors in every school. Uh, you know, obviously, you have kids that are commuting to school in New York City. And they are subject, they, some of them are subjected to random searches on the subway. So there's also that that you have to look at. Um, I don't know what percentage of them get selected for the random searches, but there's that in New York City. Uh, 
you know, their teachers have background checks. Like every New York City teacher has to get fingerprinted. They have to go through background checks. And uh, I don't know if this would fall under the security, but uh, teachers are constantly talking about students. And um, sometimes their emotional stability or instability is something that comes up. Um, you know, we share information amongst ourselves. Um, counselors uh, share information um, to the, uh, of course, there's always a limit to the amount of information that they could share. And so we always respect that, right? There's always the conf confidentiality piece. But, um, you know, we, we do try to, uh, to sort of flag, you know, emotional instabilities or, you know, watch out for this or watch out for that. Has there been a situation? I know you've never been part of it. Oh, and sorry, before I forget, too, you know, there are also, you know, your, you have your routine um, drills. Uh, what do we call them? Um, lockdown. Lockdown drills. That's right. Yeah. So you have those soft drills, hard drills. Yeah. Do you now have you ever felt? Um, I mean, you work in an urban school, uh, urban district, and I don't know if it's a high need or low income district or what, <laughs> but have you ever felt? I mean, Parkland wasn't that. Parkland, I think, was a suburban district. But have you felt threatened? Have you felt Have you felt the possibility of some kind of active violence going on? Have you ever felt yeah. like there was a student in your class that could maybe had a pro like a, a psychological profile that you felt like you had to keep a special eye on him? Anything along those lines, just as far as you being know, cognizant of threats? You know, nothing really comes to mind. Like you spoke about the psychological profile. I don't, you know, this is something that they have to look into. I think the psychological profile of the city kid is, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say F you to your face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like if a kid feels insulted, mm -hmm. you know, they they will tell you what they have to tell you right there in front of the class. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the type of kid. Um, and, you know, and I'm, I know I'm generalizing here, but the city kid is not the type that, you know, they're going to go home and... Uh, I don't know, like, dear diary, you know, today my teacher made me feel like a, like, like, you know, very bad in class and, you know, then does it the next day and does it the next day, dear diary again. No, um, I haven't seen that yet, to be honest. And that's 10 years I've been teaching, but I have been disrespected and I have been threatened, but it's usually, you know, then and there in a spot. It's usually something that comes out of spontaneity of the moment and, you know, and you just kind of know, hey, man, I, you know, he was probably just pissed um, because, you know, somebody said something. You know, it wasn't something that the kid conspired or, you know, thought about, gave it long thought about. It seems like a lot of these shootings, at least Columbine uh, that I'm aware of, a lot of these shooters have like this built up anger. Yeah. Right? It seems cruise and, and then the same way. And I think the Columbine shooter even had a, you know, seeing a psychologist, right? Um, and so that's not to say that, that the city kids don't have problems. They do have problems. But more often than not, when they do have an issue with a teacher, it's usually like a spur of the moment type of thing, I want to say. Or at least that's what I've seen in my experience. And if you get threatened, um, you know, it's right there and then and there on the spot. It's not something that, you know, the kid went home and thought about and said and built up, you know, for a long, for, for a while. So you feel like probably one of the differences, the reason we're not seeing these kind of 
uh, like incidents necessarily in, in we haven't really seen them in urban districts is possibly because the culture may push pushes these things out of kids in a different way like anger maybe just rises to the top I do feel like maybe the resentfulness yeah. or like I mean just I mean politically speaking you've seen a lot of well there's been a lot of talk of like white resentment and mm. like mm. feeling forgotten and feeling misunderstood and yeah i i mean that's interesting maybe that has something to do with the kind of because that's a lot of the feeling right this feeling that that's that is that resentment. that that is an interesting thought you know one of the reasons that people say um president trump was elected was due to the white resentment uh you know the we have this idea floating around that the Democrats are not really appealing to the lower class whites and they are, you know, they get accused of sort of um, elevating the problems of uh, blacks and Hispanics ab above the problem of the lower class white. Mm -hmm. And that maybe, you know, that's a big reason why they didn't come out and vote um, for uh, Hillary. Uh, so there's that. Um, this there is this idea, right, that maybe some of the lower class whites are fe feeling resentful because they are made to feel guilty because of their whiteness. Uh, you know, this idea of white privilege, right, is something that that gets pushed a lot, and maybe some of the lower class whites are thinking, "What privilege? Right, I'm white. I live in a trailer." right I don't have a dad um so yeah I mean so when you spoke white resentment right that I just it made me think about that um but I don't know dude I I you know everybody's everybody feels resentment too right I think so yeah so I sorry I digressed there a no, little bit I always say everybody's everybody's a little bit racist towards somebody mm -hmm. everybody's a racist it's just to what extent there are certain types of people that you know, everybody dislikes certain groups of people. Everybody's, well, okay, maybe not everybody's racist. Let me back that up. Everybody's prejudiced. Okay. You may not hate a certain race of people, but <clears throat> there's a lot of prejudice, and you're prejudiced toward some group of people that you don't like. So I think that's true. So uh, more back to the topic, how would you go about keeping students safe from an active shooter? Man, that's a, you know, that's a question that I don't, I don't even know if I could answer that. Um, you know, the kids, they, they always like to joke around during, during these drills. You know, are we really going to do this, you know, if there's an active shooter? You know, I, I bet this teacher is going to run the hell out of here, is, you know, is what they say. Um, or I'm not listening to you during these drills, you know. I'm out of here. I'm jumping out this window. I'm out. I'm gone. You know, that's so uh, even though they're not supposed to be talking during these drills, but they do anyways. And you hear stuff. I don't what I would do to keep the kids safe. I can't answer that, Mike. I, I don't know. You know, we have these drills, I guess. Maybe uh, I would naturally um, see that as a as a recourse. Maybe. I don't know. I can't really say what I would do in that situation. And I would even say, is it even my responsibility? Like, you know, dude, I'm just here to teach Calc, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. help you derive and integrate. 
and make it fun a little bit along the way. But I don't know, man. That's tough. It's a tough question to answer for me. Yeah. So if teachers are, if this proposed idea of some teachers having guns. Now, they did say, in fairness, you were talking about the emotional stability of teachers. It wasn't, all right, let's give a let's give a gun to any and every teacher. The subs they need to have the, fully automatic weapons and tanks and drones. Leave. No. The and idea bombs. was to give it to teachers who wanted it, who maybe were, some teachers were ex-military or something like that. Yeah, some teachers those, already had backgrounds. Those are the ones that probably shouldn't yeah, have. Probably, you're right about that. There's a lot of PTSD and stuff. But, um, just in fairness, there was right. there was qualifications for it. It's right. not just right. in terms right. of like, right. all right, like here's your uh, here's your badge, right? Here's your teacher badge, yeah. and here's your your handgun. You know, it kind of it kind of reminds me of this office episode. They could um, give me one of those rape whistles, like instead, because you know I probably can't handle guns. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Or a I can see a lot of teachers getting that one done. With I don't know if you've seen the episode, the office episode with with Dwight, where he gets a he becomes manager. You, ever, you guys ever seen The Office? I see. It. He he likes The Office. I watched a few episodes. So so Dwight becomes manager, and the dude is a like, you know, Dwight. If you know anything about his character, I I don't know if emotional instability is a word for him, but he's he's a character. So he gets this. So he becomes manager. He starts walking around with this gun, in the middle of the office. This is post Michael Scott. Uh, this might have been post-Michael Scott because Dwight became manager or maybe he became manager for a day. I don't remember. But the point is the dude's walking around the office with a gun, you know, and there's like, there's this scene, it's hilarious, where he just like creeps up next to someone and I think the gun goes off, like the gun goes off. I don't know if it was an accident or, or I don't remember the details, but it was funny, like the gun went off, right? And then there's also that, right? Like now you have teachers with guns, you gotta, you know, stuff can happen too, I right? Agree. Accidents could happen. So it's like, you know, there's this idea where are we gonna create more problems for ourselves? Yeah. Right? You have to look at that. And then here's the other thing, right? You can't mandate teachers to take up guns either, right? Because that would also be a violation. Well, of that's not the proposal. Rights. Right. The proposal is not that correct. And I agree with that. You know, I'm not trying to misrepresent the proposal. But, um, it creates a situation where, where something bad, yeah. could, really bad, could happen. Yeah, it it does create that situation, right, where you might be creating more problems for yourself. You know, I'm I'm one of those people. I guess I I I I won't take a risk with something if I know that that risk is going to create more risk. Because I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes you sense. Know, you know, I I want to I will take a risk for something if it will minimize um, damage. Uh, but it seems like this might create more problems for ourselves, right? That's something we got to look into also. Then people could say, oh, well, you just have the teacher put it in a safe somewhere. Well, it's not really, when you forget what the combination of the safe is and trying to pull the gun out. Yeah, there's an active shooter and you're sitting there messing around with your safe. You're really going to get it out in time to have, like, it seems, that seems really inconvenient. You know, and... And I don't know, this might be one of those things where, you know, we joke and we laugh about it years from now. Like, hey, remember that time when we thought about, you know, army teachers? <laughs> yeah, that was funny, wasn't it? I don't know. I it, This this seems like one of those things that somebody just thinks up out loud, but that you have enough um, clout and fame that 
you know, your your musings, as wild as they, as they may be, are going to travel and are going to get retweeted. I think that I think that the interesting thing to me is that if you think about the Parkland shooting, there was a sheriff on the on the campus mm, mm-hmm. and he didn't respond. So it proves that it's, it's the other thing. It's yeah. not just is there a gun? You know, a, the gun in a defensive position at the time. And a lot of it, there's more factors than that. And you know what? That's so yeah, dude. You really hit it right there, because this whole conversation started because we want to solve this problem of um, school shootings, which I think the left and the right will acknowledge. Uh, but I think that neither the left or the right is addressing, right, the, like the issue, like the heart of the matter, right? We spoke about white resentment. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that's really getting at like this deeper issue of that, listen, you know, human beings are corrupted, indivi- you know, creatures and depraved and wretches. And so, you know, the right says, give them more guns. The left says, no, like take away the guns, but you're still going to have this problem of people getting bullied, right? That's also something we have to look at, mm-hmm. right? So when I see people organizing and marching because they don't want guns, so now they're responding, right? So, so that's the left responding to the right. I don't know. It's just like they're going back and forth about it, but, but kids are still getting bullied in school. So that means resentment is getting built up. Well, I mean, if I can say something, I don't know that, like, bullying has always existed, right? So bullying, I don't think you can legislate out bullying in a way, right? But what I do feel like has increased is, I do feel like weapons have, like, the amount of weapons has increased. Society-wide feelings of anxiety have gone up. I mean, that's statistically shown. I also feel like feelings of personal alienation and breaking down mm-hmm. of like local mm-hmm. community has also yeah. happened. So where people feel more isolated, people feel like there's not there's not really one um, kind of unifying cultural narrative for people. They they a lot of people. I mean, so you ask why is it polarizing so much? Well, the people feel all right. They don't know how to be themselves they don't know where they fit in then they see all right well you know i'm this color or i'm this gender right, or I'm this right. sexual orientation so maybe i should fit in with these people this group and then it's like there's this kind of sense of like all right well now you have to take on all the ideas you have to pass the litmus test of group identity in order to yeah. fit in so then you see more and then it gets more and more strict so you see on the left the idea is getting more and more extreme as you go further down the line. Right. And then on the right, you see the same thing. The alt-right is more and more extreme ideas, like revivification of old racist ideas yeah. even, that were not working and not popular even 10, 15 years ago, but have come back kind of as a reaction against identity politics on the left. But mm-hmm. if I think that's new compared to like the 50s and also different because you said, well, people are corrupt. That's true. But in... Let's say, uh, I mean, Switzerland has hot, everybody, yeah. Switzerland doesn't have these kind of shootings, right? Let's just say, for instance, right. England doesn't have these kind of classroom shootings. Even in Latin America, where they have higher homicide rates with guns than the United States, it's because it's drug trade. So they don't have, I don't know that they have the same sense of like cultural alienation and anxiety that we have in America. At least it doesn't seem like it. But I also want to ask you what you think of, um, the, the recent uh, 
March is yes. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, I was thinking about um, asking that. Question. Well, first, I actually I wanted to um add to one thing that you were saying because I actually do agree with that. I do think that the the problem with our society at large is tribalism. Uh, you know, this idea of uh, that we've created different factions or like different clubs or different cliques, so to speak, and you're either in my clique or you're not, right? You're either in my tribe or you're not. Mm -hmm. And if you're not in my tribe, you know, then screw you and your tribe, you know, to hell with you. And I think I, I heard someone say, I think it might have been Jordan Peterson, um, who said, you know, people say that religion is the problem of the world. And he goes on to say, you know, religion is not the problem of the world. The problem of the world is tribalism. And he says, we see apes and monkeys fighting each other. And they're not religious. But why are they fighting each other? Because there's tribes, right? And so that's what you have in America. You have tribes. You have left, you have right, and then you even have tribes within the left and you have little tribes within the right. And then that's what you also have in high schools too, right? You got your jocks, you got your, your nerds. Um, but I think like, you know, and I'm gonna answer your question about the marches. Um, you know, I'm gonna use that to segue into it. I don't think that we're addressing the heart of the issue which is literally that, right? The heart. And and I don't think you can legislate that. And I agree with you. I don't think that you can legislate to people stop stop being um what's the word I'm looking for? Stop being so tribal, right? Like how do you can't, right? You can't legislate that. But that's what we are, right? As as human beings it seems. Even even in Latin America, right? You have that um Switzerland, I don't know much about Switzerland, but you're 100% right. They love their guns in Switzerland, um, and they love to shoot them. We talked about <laughs> and, it. We and, actually talked about it on and, the last uh, pad, podcast. And they don't have this problem. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. That's a great question. Like, maybe they aren't as tribal in Switzerland. Well, we addressed it. Like, most of Switzerland is, is white anyway. Okay. So there's not right. a whole bunch of different races, a bunch okay. of different cultures. It's one culture. There's only 8 million people, not 320 million. And they have one of the highest... Uh, yeah. Wait, but can I say something? Best economies in the world. Well, we have, I mean, but also they force assimilation on um, that is, immigrants yeah. that come in. Right. So, like, I heard a story in Switzerland about uh, Muslim, student, uh, Muslim, stu Muslim immigrants that came in that shook the hand of... Uh, a male. There's a tradition in Switzerland to shake the hand of your teacher when you leave the classroom. They shook the hand of the male teacher. They wouldn't shake the hand of a female teacher because they felt like it was some kind of right. It, insult, was, it was against their Muslim, Muslim their Muslim background, and they got brought to court um, by the Swiss government saying that they were breaking Swiss tradition, which is secular, not religious, but that they were basically acting sexist towards the teacher, and they lost. So Switzerland forces them basically. To follow Assimilate. strict rules of assimilation, irreligious of your... I mean, in a way, they're violating um, hmm. their religious precepts, which are kind of private to them, in favor of putting the like civil government and civil society functioning on one level, which is secular. It's a, it's an option for what society is 
can do if they want to do that. But we've taken more of a, I think we're going more in the direction of multiculturalism, which is like, oh, everybody express your, your uh, individual differences or your cultural differences, whatever small cultural differences you have, and we'll bring them all together and we'll, see, and we'll try not to offend or we'll try to make them all work together. The problem is, is that you end up fracturing people a lot. And so people sure. get divided more and more. Uh, and there's it's, less of a sense of, there's more of a sense of alienation. I it's, um, you know, I'm going to be a little bold and say this, but then I'm going to preface this by saying that I should not be taken seriously. I'm 32 years old. But hearing you say that makes me think about Wakanda in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys seen it? Of course. So one of the reasons. He doesn't reasons, like Marvel. So Wakanda, right? They're very successful, but then they're kind of like Switzerland, if you think about it. They're closed off. I don't know if, if that's fair to say about Switzerland, but I know Switzerland is surrounded by mountains, right? Um, With strict immigration laws. Um, is it? Is yeah. it strict? I, so when you, when you immediately spoke about assimilation, you spoke about um, how it's predominantly white in Switzerland. It immediately made me think about Wakanda because Wakanda is black, right? Um, and it's closed off to everyone else um and there's this unity in wakanda right even though you have you know i don't, I don't it seems like maybe that's disintegrating a little bit towards the end of the movie um but anyways i say that to say maybe there is something to that right maybe there is something to to this idea that like the way to solve this is that we really need to just see each other as you know, compatriots and, you know, that we all have this dignity, but, but we don't see that in these marches yep. because what I see in these marches, both left and right, I see the vilification <coughs> of the other side, right? Yep. The, and I would go as far as saying the dehumanization of the other side. Everyone right? I don't like is Hitler. Yeah. If, it's like, if you don't, if you don't subscribe to this view, you are a moron. You are an idiot, right? Or you're racist, or you're exactly right. So bigot. So I, you know, maybe there is something to that. That you know, we it's tribalism, right? That's the root of the issue. It seems so. There's one thing we did discuss last week that I wanted to, that I forgot to, and it was Australia, because. So the right likes to talk about Switzerland, and then the left will talk about Australia and how Australia banned guns. And so Australia did a very good job in banning guns, but it's different because Australia is also a waterlocked country. So you can't just import things into Australia very easily. So that also breaks down. And they're also very similar to Switzerland in that they're, they have a predominantly, the people there are predominantly white anyway. Well, they have Aborigines. They have some, sure. Not as many and they don't have. They do have a problem assimilating the Aborigines to the white culture. Actually, they have yeah. a huge, and they have a long-standing history of racism against Aborigines people. I don't. I don't doubt it. Mm. I wanted to say one thing about the about the quote unquote march for life from yesterday. To, to you have to brief me on that. Um, I know there were marches going on. March for life sounds like a right march. Is no, that... it's a left march. Okay. So march for for okay. they call it yeah. march for life. Wasn't, are you sure that which is the, wasn't that the anti-abortion? No. There that's is a, probably that why is, I thought that, that. That's what it sounds like. But at least, all right, let me not say they called it that. CNN dubbed it March for Life. And um, what it was was these students who were marching for their lives because they didn't want to get gunned down, right? Just like 
some people would say, oh, this is between, these students are, are fighting for their lives while the right, the gun advocates are fighting for their guns. And I think that's a poor dichotomy, obviously. But what bothered me, what bothers me the most about it is that in, I was, I just was um, just thinking about this, it's civil activism, right? Mm-hmm. And, but what bothered me about it is that it's so low cost. Like, what, what do you put on the line? You get lots of kind of social advancement, social prestige, and there's no cost for the students who are marching, right? Like, if you think, I mean, if you think about, if you could just compare it to what civil rights activists faced in the 60s as far as the amount of vitriol they got, that they were dividing mm-hmm. society, that they were, you know, a threat to society, that they were trying to break up long-standing tradition and norms and disrupt the economy. These And they're young students, these students who, are, who marched yesterday, so, like, I'm not trying to throw it on them, but, I mean, they were funded and, and supported by big multinational corporations. But see, they were brought in by, like, sports teams to say, right. oh, like, the Wizards brought them in, oh, come look at our practice. They're, like celebrated by every news media outlet it's like how is it civil activism if i mean the only people that are resistant to it basically are are long-standing second right it's not march for life it's march for our lives march for our lives there we go sorry they're trying to confuse everybody no no that's fine but i'm just saying what 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 are you what is the cost of your march if you're you're you have um commendations throughout society you're you're lauded throughout society for your bravery but you're really not putting anything on the line it bothers me the part that bothers me <coughs> or maybe I, I less things bother me nowadays i guess maybe the word i'm looking for is the part that annoys me a little bit is that a lot of these young people and remember i, I work with a lot of them they don't have their own words, right? There is a sense where maybe they are puppets. Um, and I don't know if that's because maybe they're too young to uh, really think for themselves. Uh, I, mean, I don't think it's that. Or it's because, you know, they, they, they live in a city where one view prevails over the other. Um, which is the view of the left, uh, but there, like I, I do feel that a lot of these young people in these marches are being manipulated by forces behind the scenes. And you know, what do I mean by that? Right? You spoke about these multinational corporations that are sponsoring these types of things, and you know, I there's a part of me that 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 does wonder. Uh, what if these guys that are marching and like actually listened to what the not not to what the other side is saying per se? Maybe the, they should hear what the other side is saying too, though. But if they actually just maybe used logic um, and and just thought about maybe how their views could be wrong, like I wonder if they've even considered that. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's a very hard thing, you know, and I'm not demeaning them. Like I'm, you know, I don't want, I don't want this to be heard as like, oh, you know, uh, Mr. Estrada is, is, is really saying they can't think for themselves or, 
um, or they, they, you know, they're puppets. Listen, I'm a puppet too, right? I'm, I'm like, we, this is something we all struggle with, right? It's hard to find your own words. It's hard, you know, to, to develop your own views. It's a very hard thing to do that. And so how do we teach young people to develop their own views, right? How do we teach them to question? Because, okay, right, so you're all marching. You're all walking out. But it's, that's the easy thing to do here. You know, the hard thing to do is for you to actually, like, back up, you know, what, what you're saying. And I'm not saying that it can't be backed up. It can. You know, I think that both the left and the right make good points. Um, but it, I, I, from what I see, you know, a lot of these, these guys that are out there, they're just, um, like I said, uh, puppets, right? I'm just going to go with the flow. Like, this is what's being done. You know, I'm just going to naturally support what the left says. And we got to teach young people that, listen, you can't just hit the retweet button or the repost button, right? You got to think for yourself. If all you do is retweet, repost, like, you're a puppet. Like, you got to develop your own views. And that's that's what I'm trying to say here, right? I'm not trying to demean young people that are marching. I think it's good that they're passionate. But what I am trying to say is, you know, are these really your own views? Have you really thought this out? So, because when I hear multinational sponsorship, right, makes me question that a little bit. Well, when I hear that Shake Shack is hosting... Uh sign making party for the protesters i'm like oh god like you know you made a mistake when you're going to shake i like shake shack but you made a mistake when you go into shake shack for them to host your political activists like oh here we'll give you the crayons to make the sign no that's not the type of political activism you should be doing where it's being sponsored by shake shack that just is way too it's like so in the mainstream it's it's completely status quo and and you know what though too moving against that against the current Agreed, and and then you know the corporations could do whatever they want to, right? I believe in that. Um, it's your money; do whatever you want with it. Sponsor whoever you want with it. Uh, but you know, your job as an individual is to question everything, and your job is to also know the other side, and not to not to just vilify <laughs> it. Right? Your job is to be able to uh, articulate their position in a way that they would agree with right. it. Because when you call the other side Hitler, they wouldn't agree with that, right? right? They would not. So you can't. You shouldn't do that right. because that's not their point of view, right. Um, right? We have to be, and that's what I'm saying, right? In all this passion, there's a lot of misrepresentation, right? That's um, true. From both the left that's and true. the right. Yeah, should probably start concluding. Right? Yeah. So when it comes to students and thinking for themselves and not thinking for themselves, I've come on a long journey as far as my political views and I don't like Twitter I hate Twitter Twitter is my least favorite (laughs) social media uh, outlet and the reason is because there's not enough words given not enough characters given for me to thoroughly express my opinion well they upped it I don't know if you're aware of that (laughs) Don't know how much. I forget. What was it? 144 now is 270. Yeah, 270 still isn't enough characters. <laughs> because yeah. because 
when we just want to have just short little tweets, it's really, you have to basically be a lawyer to fit everything in there. And politics and these issues, as Ricardo said earlier, solving the issue of, of uh, whether teachers should have guns and how we protect our students, that's really hard. That's a hard issue. And you can't just have, oh, look, I have a 270-character tweet to, to and where I stated how to solve this whole problem. But the problem is that there's always problems that are going to result. So you have to fine-tune every argument that you make to make sure you, you include the exceptions for the problems and the risks that could come as a result of it. And so when it comes to me expressing my opinion, I want to make sure that I express the exceptions to the rule and the doubts and the risks and the problems that are associated with said opinion. And I agree with Phil and I agree, especially agree with Ricardo that we have lost our ability to think through things as a nation. I didn't say that. But... Well, that's, I'm... I just yeah. said stand against the crowd. I think that that's... Ricardo's push was analyze the situation logically, yep. which I think is important. My push yeah. is if you're not going to analyze it and you want to use your intuition, the best use of your intuition is to think that you should stand against, against the, the crowd. crowd. Because you think about, yeah. I mean, there's an old saying, any a dead fish could go with the current, but only a living fish could swim upstream. Mm. Right? Like it, any, anything could go with the current. You don't have to do yeah. anything. Right. And... That's that's my push, right? Even if I get a say say that um, I uh, support gun control, right? And and I'm not even pushing that or pushing this other thing. But let's say that I do, right? Yeah. And let's say that a, that a student were to say, you know, Mr. Strada, I <coughs> I agree with your view um, on gun control, whatever issue it may be. My pushback would be to say, okay, great, can you back it up? And there isn't enough of that, right? There's there's a lot of celebration because you, oh yeah, you know you're you're sticking with the party of the minorities, you know you're sticking with the party that supports the cause, you know, of blacks and Hispanics, and there's celebration for that. Well, ask the kid to back it up at least, mm-hmm. right? Like you know, make him go through the rigorous process of justifying their position. And that's not going on. That's not happening. Like, the minute they started talking about this walkout, did, did anybody ever stop and say to the young people, why are you doing this? Now, that's not a, right, again, right, I'm not saying that because I want to stop them from doing it. But what I'm saying is that we've lost that, that rigorous process of justifying our actions because... I don't know. Maybe people feel that there's like this sense of urgency. And that is actually one thing that they are pushing in these marches, right? Um, I did see a sign. I have seen a lot of signs, right, that say um, safety before freedom. Um, and yeah, that is actually it. That's worrisome. That's, um, you know, that's that sounds like something that is, is coming out of Germany in the 19, um, you know, before World that's War II. So, um Anyways, I, I digress. But what I was trying to say was that this whole thing, the whole, the whole walkout, right, um, got talked about. But 
I don't know if the students were ever went through this point of justify it, right? It, it seemed like a top-down thing. Um, and that's something that maybe we could look into because it wasn't just one school, right? It was a whole bunch of sure. schools that did it. Um, and it was like, yeah, kids, um, you want to walk out? Like, we'll support you. You know, we'll help you make signs. We'll help you do it. Okay. Did you ever, like, ask them, well, why do you want to walk out? Right? Can you justify it? Can you articulate the view of the other side in a way that they will agree with it? Mm. Instead of just um, building up, <coughs> building up yeah. strawmans yeah. and taking down the strawmans. Again, right? That's not to say you shouldn't march. You should, but you should be able to justify it. Mm. So that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Well, that was a pretty good, yeah. pretty good interview. Thank you, Ricardo. All right. Yes. My, pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure, guys. Next time, thanks, next, you guys. Next time, there's a, a peaceful um, happening at a school. We'll we'll bring you on to talk about how God's kingdom will come on there. All right, I love that. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. I thought that was an excellent interview with Ricardo Estrada, the master math teacher from New York City. We'd either like to do a part three, although I'm not really sure if a part three would be relevant uh, this late in the game. But one thing that Phil and I really want to talk about is the ongoing Mueller investigation because it is really heating up. And I'd also like to talk about North Korea and South Korea. So hopefully it won't be a million more months. Thank you for listening to Hitting the Media. Have a good one.